Hello everyone and welcome back again to the Boost and Gains podcast. I'm your host Cedric and today's episode is actually a two-part series where I have an awesome chat with my friend Mr. Christian Addison. Christian is a husband, a father, a firefighter and most importantly a man who's committed to helping and making a difference in our society. Please join in on this episode as we discuss topics such as life being a husband, uh, career path to becoming a firefighter, uh, interests such as investing and trading, and so much more. Christian, my brother, man, I appreciate you for joining this episode and uh, coming on to my podcast. Man, I am I am beyond honored to be here. Say, man, how long me. how long has it been since uh, since I even saw you? <laughs> I think it's been it's it's got to be around seven years. Yeah, it's got to be getting close to seven years, man. That yeah. means we've we've probably known each other get close to 11, 10, 11 years. Yeah, it's been it's yeah. been it's been yeah, I'll say at least about ten years. About now. ten years, yeah, man. Yeah, man. And uh, just just uh, let's catch up on how's life been for you. I know uh, you know we did meet at Discount Tire and everything like that, but please tell our listeners who you are. You know how we met. Uh, just give us a little background about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Christian Addison. And I met Cedric, man, at least 10 years ago. We were working at a tire shop, Discount Tire. I think it was the one in Austell, Georgia. And, uh, and I, you know, I, I can't remember the first time that we met. or the, It must have been my first day there. I came in as an assistant manager mm. from, another, from another store, you know, brand new, didn't know anybody. And I remember you and I got to talking, man, and, you know, it was just good vibes the whole mm-hmm. time. And, you know, we've been keeping up with each other ever since. That's right. But that was, those were some good days, man. We lived through some hot summers, yeah. man, some cold winters yeah. out there in that garage in the showroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Talking to customers, man. It yeah. was, oh, boy. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. I remember Christian. Christian was the, I'll say the cleanest guy out there, man. <laughs> this guy would come to work, shirts pressed and ironed, you know, nice shoes. Just extremely professional, right? Carried himself very, very well. And, you know, looked, looked up to him because I'm like, huh, this guy, you know, we're the same age, but look at the way he's carrying himself, you know. And, uh, I mean, just like you said, we've been trying to keep up with each other, of course, with social media now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, you reached, you were one of the first people to actually comment or, or show me love for the very first episode that I put out, right? And ever since then, you've been saying, hey, um, or I've been saying that, you know, you need to be on the show. There's a lot of different things that you're doing. Um, and I kind of wanted to learn from you um, as well as share with our listeners. So um, with that being said, please uh, give us your background, where you're from, um, you know, your family, whatever it is that you want to share with us. Yeah, sure, sure. So I grew up in, in, a, in, a, in a city in Dayton, a city in Ohio, uh, Dayton, Ohio is where I'm from. Uh, I was born in California, but I, I was raised my, my entire life in, in Ohio and I came to Georgia uh, summer of 2010, um, just to kind of get a break from, from Ohio. Just mm-hmm. needed, you know, I needed a, a, uh, just a change of scenery mm-hmm. and came down here, you know, started working and, uh, got married to my high school sweetheart. You know, we, we ended up having a, having a son. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, fast forward a few years later, man, I ended up joining the fire department. Um, and I, that's where I'm currently full time as a, as a full time firefighter. Mm-hmm. And I was an EMT, also on an ambulance full time. It was, uh, it's it's been a very interesting seven years mm-hmm. since we last saw each other. Mm-hmm. A, you know, a lot of really cool things have happened. Mm-hmm. A lot of sad things have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, man, I consider myself very blessed, mm-hmm. uh, and I consider myself very fortunate to have had the experiences in life that I've had, mm-hmm. and to be able to 
have the relationships that I have, not only with 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 old friends, with my family, with my son. I feel very, very fortunate to have those things. Mm. So I count myself very. So very let's let's talk about your um, now wife. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, high school sweetheart. So you moved to Georgia. Mm-hmm. And where was she at? In Ohio? Yeah, she was still in Ohio. She was still in Ohio. She actually went and uh, completed a missionary tour in south america in guyana got you we were we were pretty young and we you know we really liked each other and but we understood that you know getting into a serious relationship at the time uh wasn't the best idea Mm. and so we had goals that we wanted to pursue we had things that we wanted to do and we always knew that if things were meant to be we would meet up again Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what happened you know years later she's come back from south america i'm still living in, in in georgia and we got to talking again one day and uh I think the first time we had seen each other since I left, unfortunately, was at my father's funeral. Mm. Uh, I had to go back to Ohio for for my father's funeral, and that's where we had seen each other again, and you know, sparked up conversation. And you know, a couple years down the road, man, we're we're married, and and then after that, a year after that, we have our son, mm-hmm. and now seven years later, man, we're you know we're still you know, crazy about each other, mm-hmm. and and in our career fields, mm-hmm. and you know, trying to move forward with the with with our lives, man. Looking All forward right. to the next. 100 years together. Sounds good, man. And currently, so how long have y'all been married? We've been married seven years. Seven we just years. celebrated seven years in December. Okay. Mm-hmm. So do you, I mean, I guess at this point we cannot consider you as a, do you consider yourself as, as, as still fresh in the marriage game or where do you see yourself in that? That's an interesting question. So I think because Tiana and I have known each other for so long. I met her when I was 15. Mm. And she was, I think, 17. I was a sophomore in high school. She was a senior. Mm-hmm. And so, and we've, we've been friends for so long. I feel like we've been married 20 years. Mm. <laughs> you know, that's, you know, every time on our anniversary, I'm like, man, this is really only seven? Mm. That's it? Yeah. I feel like we've been married forever. And it, it's a good feeling. It's not like, you know, I've been shackled to somebody for that long. Yeah. You know, it's been, it's been wonderful. Got you. So, just give us a little, I don't know, this is not a relationship pod, uh, episode, but just give us some advice for us that are, you know, about to get married or, you know, anybody listening that's been married for a year or, or thinking about marriage. Like, what has it been that's kept you two going this this whole time? You know, like you said, from 15 or even from 17 or even mm-hmm. seven years. Um, I know there's ups and downs in marriage, but what do you think has been that's kept you guys going um, for this long? Well, the, the number one thing uh, said is that we have... We've absolutely kept God in our life and in our marriage. 100% from day one, we're both very religious people. And that was one of the things that, that really drew me to her was her spirituality, her, mm. her oneness with God and, and, and uh, her seriousness for it. And being able to keep that in our relationship and in our marriage has kept us from resentment. It's kept us from heartbreak. It's kept us from all of the things that you go through in marriage. You go through, it's, it's just like a roller coaster. You go through ups and downs. And I remember it's it's hilarious that we were talking about this. Um, right before I got married, there was a there was a customer at Discount Tire that I had, and I had I had this customer for years, mm. and he actually followed me from my Douglasville store to Austell. He actually followed when he learned that I I, I switched Trans- stores. Yeah. yeah, he followed me. And I remember talking to him right before my wedding, and he said uh, he said best piece of advice I ever I've ever had and ever given was that it's in a marriage it's not fifty fifty, it's one hundred and ten one hundred and ten. You can't have people giving half effort. Both of you have to give 110% to each other. And I feel I still remember that. I can't remember that guy's name. Mm. I can see his face. And that was probably the best advice I ever received mm. as far as marriage goes. Mm. And because it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. You have to be there for each other when uh, 
when when the other, when one person is at their low, that's your job to be at their to be at your high, to bring them up, and vice versa, and vice versa. You know, it, you know, a lot of times we we have these stereotypes that we think we have to fall into mm. as far as men that we have to always be a certain way depending on our culture and where we come from we have to be a certain way and that women are supposed to be a certain way but it's so wonderful when you're able to compliment each other not not compliment in a compliment in a, in, a, in a form of of giving you praise but a compliment is in a in a sense of a completement that's right you know and so you know the scriptures describe uh, the first human couple, Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. They said that Eve was a compliment mm-hmm. to Adam, meaning that he compl- she completed him. That's right. And and when you at least that's for us, mm-hmm. you know, us being you know, very religious folks, and um, that has absolutely been the glue that's held our marriage together. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been a wonderful, wonderful seven years, man. Like I said, I'm looking forward to the next 100 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is that is absolutely what kept us together, man. Gotcha. And uh, diving a little deeper before we go on to the next point, <laughs> sure. um, just give us a little breakdown of how you guys start your day, right? Like you and your wife, mm-hmm. I know you guys are on different schedules and stuff. And like you said, you know, you, you, you've kept God throughout the marriage and you still are, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just give me a little breakdown of like, you know, when you start your day, how does the, what does that consist of? How do you guys pray together, fellowship, all that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, our days both start differently. Mine uh, usually starts earlier than hers. So I, I start my day around between 4.50 in the morning and 5.15, depending mm. on how many times I hit the snooze button. Mm. <laughs> uh, and I'll get up, and, and Tiana usually has to be up you know, about 6.30, and I have to be out of the house no later than 5.45. I got to be I got to be gone, or I'm never going to make it to work on time. And uh, so we really don't see much of each other in the morning. And you know my shifts are 24 hours at the firehouse, and sometimes when I get home, she's already left for work on the next day. Mm. So sometimes it can be a challenge to be together uh, but as far as the spirituality goes one thing that we've been that we've been practicing and we've been trying to be consistent with especially recently is making sure that we consider the scriptures together at least once a day so there's a publication that we use called examining the scriptures daily mm. and it's we both have an app on our phone the jw library app on our phone and it has you know lined up for every every day of the year there's a scriptural thought and then usually some uh, some commentary below it and we, if we're not able to read it together with each other over the mm-hmm. phone, mm-hmm. because like I said, our, our days are very hectic. She's an OR nurse, so she never has her phone on her during the day, mm-hmm. which you know is understandable. And me, I drive a fire truck, so I can't, <laughs> I can't be on the phone all the time. But we'll at least text each other our thoughts about the scripture for the day. We'll text each other our thoughts, and, and, and it's a really cool way to kind of bounce things off of each other. And it's just a way for the, that we can stay positive in our, in our environments. You know, unfortunately, being in public safety... And with her being in the in the hospitals, especially this this day and time, man, we just we see so much tragic stuff mm. and just uh, just terrible things sometimes. Mm. And and so you know, and well, myself, you know, I live for twenty four hours with with six other people, and you know, sometimes personalities collide, That's and right. and with Tiana, it's the same way. Sometimes personalities clash, and in the hospital, and having that positive thought mm-hmm. or that positive. Just that positive thing during the day, whether it comes before I go to bed at night, before I go to bed at the station, or before she uh, goes to bed at home, mm. we always make sure that we try to at least send that text message to each other. Mm. And then, of course, when we're together, we always pray together every night. Even if we're upset with each other, that was another that was another golden piece of advice that I was given. Was you know, of course, they, they you know, the, the, all the older guys say, you know, never go to bed angry, yeah, right? Yeah, I've heard that. But a what lot they of don't times. tell you yeah. is, don't wait till ten thirty to start something. Because <laughs> mm, mm, mm. then you'll be up till four o'clock figuring it out. Yeah, but the principle is still the same. 
don't go to bed angry because you know you'll wake up and 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 you'll feel a certain yeah. way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the, anyways. Yeah. Ne- never going to bed angry, but making sure but that sometimes even, you just can't help it. It happens. Sometimes, man, it is. But yeah. what, I tell you what, when you, especially as the husband, you know the, the scriptures tell us that we're that we're the head of our household, and and that that's not from a tyrannical point of view. That's not saying that you are. You know, you're the iron fist that you're the iron foot putting it, you know, iron leg putting his foot down, you know, being being a, a head of a family um, carries a lot of responsibility, mm. especially being a spiritual head. Also, you're responsible for your family's spiritual strength or their spiritual weakness. Mm. It's your responsibility. So as as the husband, as a man, imagine the amount of strength that it requires for you to be upset with your wife and still say, you know what? Uh, I know we're not really you know, <laughs> to liking each other too much today, but we still need to talk to God. We still need to talk to Jehovah. We still need to, to, to come together in prayer. And the amount of humility that it takes to put yourself in that position, I was overwhelmed by it. Mm. When I finally decided, I mean, because it's a conscious decision mm. you have to make. Right. It's to let go of your pride. So and, let's say you go ahead and you guys pray, mm-hmm. right? You still upset at the at the, at the end. You know, you, you I, still, I'll be honest with you just from experience. You still upset with Herb. Do, we, we, you know, uh, um, no matter what the situation is, like, you know, you have a relationship with God, you have mm-hmm. a relationship with your wife yeah. or your husband, right? So you go ahead and you um, you pray. Mm-hmm. And after that, you still feel a certain type of way about whatever that situation is. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, how do you move forward from that? I think, you know, just from a, from a psychological standpoint, um, prayer itself or belief in a higher being does a lot for you psychologically. Mm. And with us praying, let's say if, if, if we're both <laughs> if we're both irritated with each other, mm-hmm. praying kind of gives you that release mm. because, like I said, it's it's a mindset you can't how you know you couldn't at least for myself I, I couldn't feel as if I would be worthy of getting on my knees and talking to God if I know that in my head I'm so enraged with my wife mm. or I feel a certain way mm. so I have to kind of get myself together yeah. first. It's like you have to put that angriness or that rage on the side like absolutely and pray and i i i I think i can understand what you mean because once you even down with that there's a bit of a relief Mm -hmm. from that upsetness right absolutely and it's easier for you guys to move forward or talk about the situation and not be upset it is it absolutely is because you know when it when it it boils down to it uh a lot of the a lot of the issues that come up in marriage and and i'm not trying to act like a guru or anything this is just what's worked for us that's right that we've that we've noticed um, a lot of the issues that come up in marriage really boil down to trust and communication, and you really can't have one without the other. Mm. You can't have trust without communication, and you can't effectively communicate with someone unless you trust them. That's right. So when you find when you when you when you you're able to kind of cool down, like I said, prayer helps. And and from a from a husband standpoint, um, it took me a while to to decide to humble myself. And even even though we're in the midst of a <laughs> if we're in the midst of a debate, we're irritated with each other to ask God to forgive me for what I did and to say that in front of my wife. I feel like that that puts me in a, in a mindset of, you know, instead of being angry, we can we can still be irritated with each other. Mm-hmm. But how are we going to fix this? Is this going to are we going to break up because of this? Mm-hmm. If the answer is no, then we need to figure out how to fix That's it. That's right. If the answer is no, then <laughs> then we need to fix it. Mm-hmm. And we have to take steps for that now. You know, there have been times where, you know, you have to take a break and, and you know, maybe if that means not talking to each other for a little, you know, for a few hours. Okay, cool. Let's come back. Has, on the, let's come back when been, it's cooled down. Has there been times where you've had to sleep in the other room because you're upset? Absolutely not. 
Okay. No, we said okay. that, and that's okay. and that's one thing that my wife and I vowed to each other even before we got married. I said, I said, I don't believe in anybody sleeping on a couch. Mm. And she said, me neither. Mm. I said, you know, we both belong in the bed together at night as long as we can be. Mm. And that is one thing that we have always done. Okay. Even if we got us, you know, one of us got to sit in the living room for a little while. At the end of the night, we always come back. Yeah. Because I feel like if that separation, if you, if you get comfortable with that separation, it's going to be just that much harder to come back. Mm. And and I know for myself, you know, I, I where, where else am I going to go? What? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't want to. want to go anywhere else. Be with anybody else. That's right. You know. So so you have to make it work. Mm. And I feel like that 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 rule that we had with each other. Was that neither one of us is ever going to sleep apart from each other because we're angry? Mm. Seven years, man. We've been we've been sticking to it. That's right. We've been sticking to it. So it's uh, it's, right. it's been good. Well, I don't want to turn this to a to a full blown relationship. But oh, hey, man, I just want to so, answer your question, brother. <laughs> there you go. It's fine. It's fine. We're gonna move on to you know we've talked a little bit about your background. We've talked about your marriage life mm-hmm. and relationship. Um, let's move on to you know of course I met you at the point where. Um, you know, we met at Discount High. I think, mm-hmm. like you said, 10 years back, you were probably like 20, 21, 22. Yeah, yeah, right? about that. Um, so, and I remember this vividly, like when you were at Discount High, you always talked about how you wanted to be a firefighter or fireman, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So it seems like it's something that was, you knew that that was a goal, mm-hmm. end goal for you. Where did that come about and how was that journey of, you know, currently, of course, you being a fireman, um, tell us a little bit about where that mindset came from. Was it uh, something like like maybe your dad did or your uncle or like just give us some insight on that? Yeah, sure. So no, I, I never had any family members that were firefighters. I remember um, we had some friends in California that we used to go back and visit every now and then. And, and uh, a friend of mine, his name was Wyatt, <laughs> and his dad was an EMT that worked at a fire department. He wasn't a fireman, but he was he worked at a fire department. Mm. And I remember watching him drive by in the ambulance. I was probably five or six years old. And he drove by in the ambulance and, you know, he like waved at us and everything. And I just thought that was super cool. I actually have pictures. My mom found pictures Mm. uh, from that day of me like trying the helmet and stuff on. And then, you know, a couple of years later in Ohio, my grandmother and I used to go take food to the fire department in Jefferson Township, Ohio and in Dayton. And it's interesting uh, one of the firefighters that was there, his name was Morris Fuller. Mm. And I was probably six or seven years old. And we used to go over there all the time. And they always let me in the firehouse. They, if, you know, As long as they were home and they weren't doing any, any training or anything, they would dress up in the gear. Man, I've got pictures of me and my little you know, plastic fire helmet and, and my coat and my <laughs> little That's backpack. Crazy, and what's interesting, man, is after I became a firefighter, I found him. Wow. My grandmother knew where he stood, that he was still alive. And by this time, he was 70 years old. And we, I, I don't know how she did it, but she managed to get in contact with him. And I made a trip to Ohio probably in 2017, 2018. And I gave him that picture. We met for lunch. And I gave him that picture. And he's like, oh, my God, I remember you, man. Yeah, I remember oh, you. Oh, he didn't remember you from Well, you he remembered being... my grandmother, but he didn't necessarily remember now me. Now that you've grown up yeah, and everything. Yeah, and so yeah. When, he, when I gave him that picture, yeah. he, I mean, you know, and, and, and it was just, I remember how they accepted me and how they treated me. And it was just like an, an immense amount of trust that I had yeah. with them. And it was funny because they were actually the fire station down the street from my house. And um, down the street from my elementary school, 
and they they would come to the to the elementary school and shoot the waters, yeah. you know, and, and and let us play around on yeah. the truck and stuff. So it was it was wonderful, and and I always I always wanted to be a firefighter, but mm. you know, it's kind of as life went on, you know, it, I kind of went in different directions. Mm. But I remember that that was always deep down what I wanted, wanted to, to do, do. Okay. or at least wanted to try to do, mm. and uh, and then I had a good friend of mine. Uh, he he got on with fire department in Atlanta in DeKalb County. I and remember I, that too. Yeah, I and I said, you know what, man? Yeah. I said, if this dude can do it, what I can, I can freaking do it. Mm. If he can do it, I can do it. Mm. You know, not in, not in a, in a competitive mm-hmm. sense, but you know, you see somebody who's just like you, your age, and you see them do it, and you're just like, you know what? That's the motivation I need. Mm. So you know, I give a lot of credit to to Philip to Philip Murray. I give a lot of credit to that because I think if if he hadn't done it first, I, I may have never tested the waters. Mm. I mean, so, I've always just said, so you know, I, I wish I would. If it wasn't for, and, uh, you know, I think even before we started this podcast, I asked you about your, your college and you said, oh, you didn't get to complete. Mm-hmm. Let's say that going back, right, you knew that, you know, one day you want to be a firefighter. It's mm-hmm. in the back of your mind. If you hadn't taken this path, where do you think you would have, like, going to college and everything, like, what industry or what career field would you have gone into? Oh, man, there was... Man, I, I used to be all over the place in high school. Man, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm. Um, I, I took a a marketing tech prep program in high school. So for my sophomore, junior, senior year, that was what my primary focus was. It was almost like a like a vocation, a public vocational school, high school that I went to, and um, and then the, the the course was marketing. You know, I I, I had kind of a natural inclination towards marketing towards sales i was good at it mm. i was good at public speaking mm-hmm. i used to do public speaking competitions and i used to win them bad boys too mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and after high school man i just i don't know mm. you know it was it was i lost a sense of direction and a couple years later my father passed away and that that kind of led to just kind of you know falling into oh what do i want to do and i found the sales job at discount tire and i'm like okay well i guess i'll do this mm. And, uh, you know, in the back of my mind, I always knew that that I wasn't fulfilling my purpose, you know, or what I felt was my purpose. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally understand that. Like, and that's kind of hard for, I think a lot of people go through that. You know, we all, of course, you know, we work in and things like that, but we probably don't feel fulfilled. We feel like, you know, this is not my calling. This is not where I mm-hmm. want to be. And, you know, for certain people, I guess they're fortunate enough to know, um, what their calling is, and I, I don't know. I guess my question for you is, what made you take that step? Was it your friend that got into the uh, fire, became a firefighter? Was that really what pushed you into saying, you know what, this is my time, I want to go for mm-hmm. it? Uh, I'll tell you what the catalyst was. It was after my son turned one years old, and I had missed his first steps. I had because missed, of because I was at I was at work all mm-hmm. the time. A discount. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. And, th- and this is it. And of course, this is not any shade or or hatred thrown at discount mm-hmm, tire. Mm-hmm. This is just this is just kind of how things work for me. Mm. And you know, I was working a lot during the week, and we I'd get home late, I'd be exhausted, and you know, by that time, my son's it's about ready for him to go to bed. He's you know, he's a year old. You know, baby sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And after that first year, I said, okay, I've got to find a job to where I can have a better schedule, but I don't have any skills. Like, there's nothing that I can really do except sales and um another customer of mine at the time she was an instructor at um at faithful guardian training center in in um 
What, what city is that? It's out past Douglasville. Um, in Hiram? No. No. I, uh, uh, Villarica? It was past Villarica, man. Uh, it was almost. Uh, it was almost. In, it was almost in Alabama. <laughs> like I would. Oh, it was out there. I can't uh-huh. remember what city it was. It was past Whitesburg, Georgia. It was boy. past Carrollton. Oh, it was past Carrollton, okay. man. Oh God, I, you probably got to edit this part out because I cannot <laughs> remember where that what, what city was. Anyways, uh-huh. it's, it's way the heck out there, almost in Alabama. And um, I remember my manager at the time. I won't say his name, but he was the age I am now. He was he was almost thirty years old. And he looked like he was 45. Mm. And I remember he would come into work all the time and he would just be so drained. Mm. And at the time, I, I really wanted to be a you know the next level up in, in, in management, in, in lower management at the store. And I was trying so hard to get there. And, and sometimes people would get promoted before me and it would just be really depressing and frustrating because yeah. I was working so hard. Yeah. And, and I had good relationships with, with upper management. And with our, you know, our, our regional vice president at the time and had really good relationships with them. But I, I remember looking at at him and he told me a story about his daughter. And he said that his daughter hung on to him one day before he got up to go to work and she begged him not to go to work because she never saw him. And and he he, he got kind of emotional when he told me this was, you know, and he still made it to work. He still made it to work. He still got up. He still did his thing because that's what he that's, that's what you're supposed to do. If you if you're the sole provider for your family, hey man, you got to suck it up and go to work. Call in sick. That's well, and see, <laughs> and in his position, that was not an option. Yeah, in his position, that was not an option. And so yeah. I saw my, I I didn't want to have that. Mm. And so when I made the decision to drop down to part time, he hit the roof. He called in the, the the regional vice president, the regional president to come Trying talk to, to me convince you. to convince me not to do it. As a matter of fact, when I told him my, my decision, he said, "No, you're not." I said, yeah. what you mean? No, I'm not. I he said, you're, you're not. I told him I was going to go to school. Yeah. I said, I'm going to have to drop down to part time because, uh, you know, I'm not going to be able to make it to school on time. I was going to school at night. And, and sometimes he would make me. Now, of course, I never could prove this. This is just my thoughts. Mm-hmm. It appeared that he would purposely keep me after hours to make me late on purpose. Why? What? Said, I don't know. <laughs> sometimes, you know, and, and I'll chalk it up to this. I would I would like to think that I was somewhat of an asset to that to that branch, mm-hmm. and I know that I had a lot of you know I had a lot of customers that were faithful. I feel like it was you know in part due to the training and in part due to just because I, I like to take care of people. That's right. I was not the most profitable salesman, mm-hmm. you know. I, I but but I always took care, took of, people. care of people. Absolutely, yeah. I was you know I I didn't believe in, in because you know you at discount tire we didn't we didn't make commission, mm-hmm. so I, I took none of that profit home. Mm-hmm. Of course, you want your store to thrive. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to go to business, so you're not going to give away the farm. But that was not important as important to me as it was helping people. I can't tell you how many times, man. There were there were there were uh, in in most cases, ladies, young ladies would come in with their children, and you know, their husbands can't. Uh, who usually who usually do the tire buying and then the car stuff. You know, if they if they didn't have a husband or they didn't have anybody the to give them direction, they would be kind of lost. And they come in and, oh, sorry, ma'am, we can't fix this tire. You know, uh, you're going to need a new one. Well, I don't have money for it. Okay, i tell you what, I'll, I'll give you a free tire. I mean, because you've got kids. I'm not going to have you. What, what am I going to do? Put your spare you tire know, on and, and let you roll it's out? It's interesting you mentioned that because even for me, working in the back room mm-hmm. mo- most of the time, right, you still or you know, to, for the chances that I got to work up front, you have times where people will come in and you can genuinely tell that, 
they can't afford it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, at the time I'm a college kid, I really didn't, didn't have a lot of money, but you felt deep down that, man, I, I just want to help this person. Yeah. I want to give them a free tire or like do something for them because, the, you know, and, and that's the thing. I think like for a friend of mine told me this, he said, if you start a business, yes, of course, you you in it for the money, mm-hmm. but be in it for the people and the money will follow. Absolutely. But I don't know. I feel like this this kind of being a corporation or most of these companies, it's not your company. So there's you can't do that. Yeah. Because they worried about the money. Oh sure. And I, and, I, and I'll say this about Discount Tire. I think that is, that is probably one of the best companies I've ever worked for. Like Very as far true. as taking care, care of, of their people. their yeah. their people, yeah. even even their yeah. own people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just bar none. And I, but, even when I say their people. I mean customers. Yeah. They oh take yeah. Care of customers. Oh yeah. yeah. And, and, and even even their employees. Mm. You know, we were. I think at the time we were making good money for people in our industry. Yeah. At the time, I mean, there were guys from from other tire shops and other other garages. I mean, we're making you know peanuts compared to yeah. we were, and we weren't making grand theft dollars either. Yeah, yeah. But when I found out what other cats were making, I was like, oh shoot, I yeah. guess I'm all right over here. Yeah, you're right. But it was it was that. That I just I, to kind of circle back and answer your question. That was the catalyst that told me, okay, I need to make a change mm. because I'm not seeing a, enough of my family. I need to try and find something that'll help me do that more. Mm. And at the same time, I also want to fulfill what I feel is my purpose. And and uh, after realization, it was you know this is you know years later, I realized that you know my purpose wasn't necessarily to be a firefighter. It wasn't necessarily to be an EMT. That's what I wanted to do. But deep down, I've always just wanted to help people in every faction of life that, that's 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 been with me. It's uh, that's always been my motivation, whether I worked at you know, when I was in high school and I worked at a pizza joint. You know, I used to try and help. I used to try and help folks out at the mm. pizza joint. Mm. And I really shouldn't have been doing that, <laughs> giving discounts, you know, to people that I really shouldn't have done it. Yeah. But it was from that motivation of, you know, I, I want to help this person. People. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And. And that's and that's really been a guidance for me, you know. Whether it's been helping individuals spiritually mm-hmm. uh, as an ordained minister, mm-hmm. whether it's been helping somebody as a salesperson, mm-hmm. whether it's been helping somebody as a firefighter, whether it's been helping somebody in the in the financial world, mm. that's that's always been my motivating factor. Mm. Got you. Now, um, I want us to briefly touch on just not 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 in 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 lend. Or in detail, but let's talk about your life as a firefighter, mm-hmm. like your day to day. You know, some, some, some the good, the bad, um, and if somebody's looking at getting into this industry, um, how can they do so? Absolutely. So I've been very fortunate to be with the DeKalb County Fire Department uh, down here in the in the Atlanta area. Specifically, I'm in the Stone Mountain Station on Rockbridge, mm. and um, I'll say this it is probably one of the most rewarding lifestyles or and, and career paths that's out there. Um, as far as compensation goes and money, you know, you're not going to, you're, you're not going to get, you know, filthy wealthy off of being a firefighter. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just not going to happen, mm-hmm. you know, but um, the schedule is great. So in, in DeKalb County, you know, we work 24 hours on, we have 48 hours off. So it's almost like every day we go to work, it's Friday because <laughs> you got, because you got those two days off mm-hmm. that you're looking forward to. And, um, the, the job itself, I think is, has, has given me one of the most satisfying feelings I can ever have in employment. I love going to work every single day. Now I may not like getting up at four, you know, 50 in the morning or five fifteen in the morning. That part I don't like. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes it's, it's difficult when, 
we're very busy, especially at night. You haven't had a chance to sleep and, you know, you're getting calls back to back at two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning and you, you haven't slept. But I'm always ready to come back to work the next shift. And I think that's been something that I hadn't experienced before. I hadn't experienced loving my job mm. like that before. And for me, it was just very satisfying. And I've been able to experience, fortunately, I've been able to experience in the last six years as an EMT and a firefighter, wonderful things. Um, I think in my first month, I helped deliver a baby mm. in my first month out of school. And that taught, taught uh, during the EMT Oh, sure. Program, yeah, right? yeah. You, you practice with a plastic baby, mm-hmm. you know, and then when that joker's real, it's mm-hmm. different. <laughs> And it was in this lady's basement. Oh God, it was disgusting. Man. It was it was one of the most disgusting things I've experienced. So, I mean, but it was wonderful. How did that happen? Like you get a nine one one call or something, mm-hmm. and you have to go to the scene. And 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 I, I mean, did they even tell you that this lady or somebody's having a baby? So the the when, when someone makes a nine one one call, they they were basically talking to a dispatcher. Yeah. And the dispatcher's job is to try and get as much information out of that person as they can. To relate to us so that way when we're on our way to the emergency, we can kind of have in our heads what's going to happen. We can kind of be mentally prepared for what's going on. If we need additional resources, if maybe we need to call somebody you know, else to come in and help us. So, you know, and sometimes people get frustrated with dispatchers because they ask a lot of questions. But it's absolutely necessary because sometimes we'll walk into a situation that can be potentially dangerous to us mm. and hazardous to us. So, but in this case, you know, the young lady that said that she that she felt like she was going to have a child. Uh, we really didn't have much information. And when we walked in there, man, she was, I mean, baby was halfway out. We're like, oh, God. <laughs> we got down there and, you know, and took care yeah. of it. But, uh, wow. yeah, so, you know, so if anybody, if you ever have to call 911, please, you know, it's 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 a very taxing job as a dispatcher, too, because when people are calling, they're having their worst day. Mm. They're, they're either... Uh, about to die or they feel like they're about to die mm. or they, they're they're scared because something's wrong they have to call someone to come help them that's right so you know understanding too that a dispatcher's job is very taxing because they're trying to get someone who's in a frantic state of mind to be calm enough to give us accurate information and it's a very very difficult thing to do it takes a lot of training and it, it's very difficult to do so you know and then that then that translates to our job is we have to take the information that's given mm. Sometimes it's incorrect information and we have to kind of roll with it. Mm. So, um, but from front to finish, man, it's, 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 it's a very rewarding life. It's a very rewarding lifestyle. It's a, it's a very rewarding career field mm-hmm. uh, just because of the satisfaction you get. Even, you know, it, it was, what's crazy, man, is, you know, people call you, like I said, when they're having their worst day. And even if you don't save the day, because sometimes it just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Sometimes everything that can go wrong will go wrong. That's right. And but at the end of the day, you know that you gave it 100 mm-hmm. percent You know that you uh that you tried your best and you get up and you go to work another day. Mm. And I think what what helped me through that, I'll, I'll be honest with you, is when my father passed away. Mm. So they actually lived across the street from a fire station. And my father, he had he had a lot of a lot of heart issues. He was a big guy. He was a, he was an ex-professional athlete, big dude. And uh, he ended up having his sixth heart attack. And uh, I think it was in a form of a, of a pulmonary embolism. And uh, you know, from the time it took for my, 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 my stepmother to call 911 to the time that the firefighters got there and then they worked him, you know, unfortunately, it was, it was too late. And I admired those firefighters because I started thinking about it. I said, man, 
they they lost one. Mm. You know, he 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 didn't they didn't revive him. Mm. It's not like on TV. And then they go back and I, I so when I when I when I went to Ohio, you know, of course to get things to get affairs in order, I was in Ohio the next day. I wanted to go talk to those firefighters. You know, like I said, the station was across the street mm-hmm. at the time. And I wanted to go talk to them and they weren't in the house because they were out running calls. And I admired that so much. And I said, I want, and that, that always stuck with me. I said, I wonder if I've got that in me. Mm-hmm. Could I experience something this tragic and get up and go to work the next day or respond to the next call five minutes later? That's right. Could I do it? And and that, that stuck with me, man, when it, when it got difficult because EMT school is not a joke. Mm. That stuff is, is actually pretty difficult. Uh, the fire academy is probably one of the most physically demanding things I've ever done. And uh, especially in DeKalb County, man, then, ooh, we. That uh, oh boy, man, you thought we were going for the Green Berets or something, man. Mm. You thought we were in boot camp, man. Mm. You know, but it was very rewarding when you when you succeed. Mm -hmm. Ultimate satisfaction. So, you know, and going back to you being a firefighter, like how does how does a firefighter, how does a person get over such a traumatic experience? Right. Let's say there's an accident, like a, a biker. Mm-hmm. you know falls and you know you have the brains scattered all over the mm-hmm. place and all these things or you see a wreck and this has a, a little baby in there or whatever oh, yeah. right how do you even get the the right how do you get back into the right state of mind in order to get, go to your next call because mm-hmm. yes i know there might be like programs out there for firefighters that have experienced some traumatic thing mm-hmm. but during that day maybe there's a next call you have to mm-hmm. be able to Go to that. How 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 does that work? So that's a that's a <laughs> that's a good question. Um, so for a lot of the older guys who've been on the job for for many years, uh, a lot of them just would hold it in. Mm. Would just hold it, you know, suck it up, you know, put it in the back of your head mentally, and, and keep it moving. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you had a you had a, you had a. Uh, a lot of first responders, firefighters, EMTs that were committing suicide. Really? Oh, absolutely. Just because of the trauma? Because yeah, absolutely. You know, because you, you see a, you see a lot of things, man. And like I said, even just in six years, that's not a lot of time for for me. Six years. That's there. There's guys that have been doing this job for almost thirty years, you know, and have seen things that that I'll never see. Like the military folks. Uh, yeah, you know, and 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 first responders do experience PTSD. Um. And they do experience having to deal with those traumas. And so for a lot of guys, you get your therapy pretty much at the firehouse. Mm. You get your therapy there with those other guys. There have been calls. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'll get <laughs> I don't know if I'll get into it because it's, it's pretty terrible, man. But uh, the, I'll tell you about the one call that where I had to kind of do some soul searching. Mm. If you want to hear about it. Let's hear it. <laughs> Let's hear it. So there was, uh, I was on the ambulance full time and my partner was an old, we call him Salty, the old Salty fireman, man. He had been fireman for about 15, close to 20 years and a big guy, you know, big, strong guy. And we get a call about two o'clock in the morning and it said that a (laughs) a 25 year old female fell off a car and that's all the information we have. And so we're driving to this call and we're thinking to ourselves like, Man, it's probably some, you know, some idiots out there drunk yeah. and somebody falls off a car Pick and cracks their head. Or something. Yeah. yeah, you know, it, it, mm. people do crazy things at two o'clock in the morning. This is two in the morning. It's two o'clock in the morning mm. on a Friday. 
And so, you know, we really not sure what to expect. We get down this, this street to residential street too. And, you know, so you can't be going very fast in a residential street. And so we're kind of trying to put things together. We see a lot of people huddled up in the middle of the street. And we're like, man, what is going on? And we get out there and, and, and it's, it's a lady and she's naked in the middle of the street. And her face was so smashed. I couldn't tell what color her eyes were. I, I couldn't even tell what, what okay, go I ahead. couldn't even tell what nationality she was. That's what? how, that's how broken and, and smashed. I, the only word I could use is smashed. It was her face and she was you know, difficult trying to breathe because there was so much blood in her airway. We couldn't, uh, you know, really get, get an airway in to get, to get together. And I just remember thinking to myself like, oh my goodness, man, how are we going to, how are we going to get this, get this going? So anyways, we, we finally, you know, get her on a backboard and we, and we're still trying to put the story together. We're, we're trying to figure like what, what happened? happened here yeah. because none of this makes any sense. Yeah. We're in the middle of a, of a, of a neighborhood mm-hmm. with a woman who doesn't live there mm-hmm. in the middle of the street. Mm-hmm. She has no clothes on. And her face is completely smashed. Totally naked. Totally naked. And uh, one person said he was walking his dog. He saw a, an SUV drive through the neighborhood, push her out and take off. And so, we, of course, we didn't get that full story till later. But anyways, we're driving. I'm, I'm, I'm the person driving the ambulance. My partner is in the back seat. There's two firefighters riding with him to assist. And I can just hear things in the back. Things are going wrong. You know, medication's not working. We can't get an, uh, we can't get an airway established. The suction broke on the, on the, on the, on the ambulance. I mean, literally, uh, what do they call that thing? Murphy's Law? To where anything that anything bad can happen will happen. Yeah. yeah, and it was just like that. And I remember getting to the hospital, and we basically had nothing. We couldn't get an airway because her airway was so swollen, yeah. and it was. And she ended up she ended up passing away. She died. Mm. And I remember the feeling after that. I remember the feeling of of worthlessness and of helplessness. Because you're the guy that's supposed to be the hero. Mm. You're trained to handle situations like this. And man, it was, it, was, it was very early on in my career. And it was hard for me to, to understand that sometimes junk is just going to happen. Mm. It's just going to happen. And I remember that me and my partner, we didn't talk to each other the rest of the shift. Because we, we, we were trying to process everything. Because he and I was, I, I counted myself as a good EMT. He was a very good medic. And very seasoned. So he's just trying to figure out what else could I have and, done. Yeah, and you know, and it translated even into my personal life. Yeah. So I had a few days off after that shift, mm-hmm. and I remember I, I went home. I was I was I was just angry. I was mean to my wife. I was I was yelling at my son for no reason. And I remember my after a couple of days, my wife was like, "What is wrong with you?" And I finally told her the story because I wanted to shield my wife from all those terrible things. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to bring that stuff home and put it on mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. But getting that release. Mm-hmm. You know, letting 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 myself be emotional in front of her it was very difficult. You know, and uh, but I was able to get past it. Mm. I, that was something I was able to get past, and and I had to I had to use that same technique on several other occasions when you would experience really rough, bad calls, mm-hmm. and sometimes you feel like it's your fault, mm-hmm. even though you know it's not. But uh, you know, dealing with those things, man, I, I feel like if I didn't have a a deep spiritual background, it may I may not have fared as well mm. because uh, and one thing you'll notice too if you ever get around a group of firefighters 
or you ever get around a group of medics or anybody who's in public safety and, the, and the, working in the, the ER or the hospitals, we have a very dark sense of humor too. Mm. Because sometimes that's just how you deal with it. Mm. That's sometimes how you deal with it is when you, <laughs> you know, you, you, you find the humor in terrible situations. And people who, who don't understand that or who've never experienced it, they look at us and they're like, oh my God, yeah, how could you, you laugh at a time yeah. like this? So we have to keep it, make sure that we don't let the public hear us yeah. and things like that. But sometimes it's the only thing that allows us to keep sanity. Sometimes that's the only thing that keeps you going because, uh, you but know. But do you think that's, that is just, um, it's, I, I don't think that's the proper way of dealing with it. Though. Well, it's, it's absolutely a coping mechanism. It's, it's, it's kind of a, I don't want to say it's a, it's an unhealthy one because it's something that just, that just automatically happens. Mm. But now like there are, and there, and there's, there's absolutely programs that, you know, out there for firefighters and first responders that, you know, to, you know, as far as, as far as therapy goes and talk to a counselor, those programs are out there mm-hmm. and, and it, oftentimes they're free of charge mm-hmm. for, for individuals who are dealing with things. And it's because we have to kind of get past that stigma of mental health. We have to get past that stigma of mental health. And I feel like in the last few years, it's become more accepted. You know, generations before us, uh, somebody seeing a therapist was kind of something you didn't talk about. That's right. You didn't talk about going to therapy. Yeah. If you were in therapy, something was wrong with you. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, now it's and more acceptable. Absolutely. Right? And I, I love that, you know, people who are famous or who have a, a large following are trying to help normalize mental health and therapy. therapy. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely love it because that's what folks need. Mm. You know, you go to the gym and you work out because you're trying to keep your body in shape. Okay, you also have to do the same. You you, you consume a very, I would imagine you consume a very specific diet mm. to what you want to do to, mm. to, to get the muscle size and definition that you want. Mm. Okay, we have to do the same thing with our, with, with our, our mental Mind. health. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We can't keep inserting garbage into our body like mm-hmm. like McDonald's and stuff mm-hmm. and expect to be a bodybuilder. I don't know what kind of body you're trying to build yeah. you if, you, if you're putting that into your, you mind, know, in, in and, your mind. And I, I, that's how I think about, you know, like you said, your mental health, your mm-hmm. marriage, right? Oh, yeah. If you want your marriage to work, I mean, I feel like people only go to therapy or marriage counseling only when the marriage is falling apart, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And my brother was telling me that one of his coworkers, an older guy, told him that you know, we invest so much in our health, like going to the gym. Mm-hmm. Maybe we want our bodies to look good or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't invest in our marriage. Like, even if your marriage is going well, there's nothing wrong with you seeing a, a counselor, yeah. like making it, making it, put it, put in that in your, in your, in your, in your marriage. Like, let's go talk to a counselor because yeah. we want to invest in our marriage, right? And I guess that's the same thing you're talking about, like with the with the mental health thing, mm-hmm. like. There's nothing wrong with you talking to a therapist if you're going through something or even if you're not, you know, talking to friends, right, that are on the same uh, wavelength, I'll say, as you and just brainstorming and trying to make sure that everybody's is keeping uh, the sanity in check. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Christian, um, it's funny enough because you actually came in for us to talk about, of course, your, your life and your family, your careers. But most importantly, we really wanted to talk about investing. Absolutely. Um, and uh, just touch up a bit on that before we move on to part two. Okay. Yeah, sure. So what, 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 what exactly did you want to know? Okay. So this is a, a passion of yours, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, what do I call you? Do I call you an investor? Do I call you a day trader? What are you? <laughs> Man, I, I, I trade... On the forex market. Okay. So what that is, and that's it's funny you say passion because it's kind of a, a discovered passion. I had really 
no idea that I was into it until I started getting into it. Mm. And I realized, I was like, oh, my God, like this is like this is absolutely I'm so enthusiastic about this and uh, I'm so intrigued by it. But Forex, what it is, is is the foreign exchange mm-hmm. market. So I'm sure you obviously you're familiar with the stock market, mm-hmm. right? What's interesting is that the foreign exchange market is actually the most liquid financial market in the world. Mm-hmm. It actually funds the stock market. Okay. So so let me cut you off. Sure. Right? Um, you've given us a little brief overview. So what I want to do is right now we are 47 minutes in. Oh, my goodness. Right? we got to edit some of that. So we're going to end it here. And definitely a part two is going to follow where we talk more about uh, the Forex. Mm-hmm. Right. I want to know a lot more about this because every time I hear about the only forex I know about is like you said, it's like foreign exchange, but I don't know how people make money from this or mm-hmm. like what the whole deal is about this. So guys, we're going to ha- uh, go ahead and start a part two. Uh, it's going to come right after this episode. So please check it out. Thank you. <laughs>